0: I got a baby me crazy with the way she's Hello, I'm Gwenna Lathland, and this is the Mama Cusses Podcast, the podcast dedicated to all the cussable moments in parenting. Disclaimer, the Cusses podcast may have curse words, profanity, or adult topics. Okay, it will definitely have those things. If you have sensitive littles listening with you, now might be the time to pop on those headphones or go hide in the bathroom with your grown-up juice. Alright, let's get this shit going. A man once told me a story that he attempted to text his sister about having her kids, his nibblings, over for a visit. What he meant to type into his phone was, do your Rugrats want to come see Unky Paul? But the autocorrect demon got him, and what he actually sent was, do your regrets want to come see Unky Paul? He watched in horror as those three little dots scrolled and flickered. His sister replied simply, sure, this afternoon, okay?" She must have read the text, and either she recognized the autocorrect, Or else there was a tiny part of her that acknowledged the title regret might be a teeny tiny bit correct for her offspring. I remember a time in what feels like the extreme distant past when I was nominally cool. I went out with friends. Hell, I had friends. I dressed up because I felt like it. I had energy to feel like it. I took sleep for granted. I still didn't get any, but that was rather by choice. I had too much living to do, and then I had kids. Well, a kid, but that was more than enough to ruin most things I had going for me. Let's pause for a moment before we continue and add the standard boilerplate language. I love my kids, all of them. They are hard, they frustrate me endlessly, they are tiring, and they are greedy little bastards. But I will die for them, and for dumb reasons should the need arise. Don't think that for one second, just because I complain about them, I won't scoop your eyeballs out with a spoon and feed them to you should you threaten them. It is the way of motherhood. Here's the thing about having kids. Before they are born or procured, there is this euphoria that overrides a parent-to-be's brain. You are swamped with all these hopes and dreams of baby snuggles. You watch endless baby giggle videos and sleepy babies dozing sweetly on YouTube. This idyllic version of parenting settles your nerves. This is true whether you waited through nine months of pregnancy or waited through nine miles of paperwork to adopt. It's all the waiting that does us in. And then we are responsible for a tiny human. It's our problem and joy and the fuckers still refuse to provide a decent instruction manual when they send them home with us. We discover that for every baby snuggle we are granted, we get 16 tiny fits of baby rage. Sure, it's cute as God's pinky when she dozes off. But you know damn well she is just going to wake up in 45 minutes to consume half an ounce of baby food and spit up three ounces. Yeah, that's not how math works, I know. But it's how baby stomachs work, I swear it's harder than expected. It always is. Newborns are needy potatoes. Kind of cute and everyone loves them, but there really isn't much you can do with them. They employ torture methods to get their way. Sleep deprivation, emotional abuse. And when it comes right down to it, babies are incredibly boring for the first six months or so. It's why parents get over-the-top giddy and insist on showing you 73 pictures of their kid making the same blank expression because this is her happy and, oh, look how mad and sleepy girl and so frustrated. We have to find tiny moments of glee because this shit is fucking hard. We cling to anything that might make it feel like that euphoria we expected. For many parents, Once their kid comes home, they realize there is a lot more bullshit and actual shit involved in raising tiny humans. Deep in the thick of the fourth trimester, the first year, the toddler times, it can hit you. You miss your old life. You miss who you used to be and what you used to do. And inevitably, a single question creeps into your head and settles into a hole dug out by guilt. Why did I even want kids? Or worse, I regret having kids. And it hits like a punch to the gut. Aren't you supposed to love everything about this tiny human you worked so hard for? Yeah, you do. But when you hear folks say kids will change your life, most non-childed humans don't understand what that really entails. Kids change everything. Literally fucking everything. You stop being you and become your kid's mom. Your house gets rearranged. Gates and plug covers and breakable decor tucked away in the attic. Your home doesn't look like yours anymore. It looks like a goddamn daycare. Your schedule gets changed and now revolves around feedings and naptimes. No, Shannon, I can't go grab a coffee with you. 10 a.m. is smack in the middle of nap time, and I will murder a person before I screw with that. Your wardrobe has changed, your diet has changed, your social life, free time, sleep. It all feels like it is beyond your control. You are simply an underpaid servant to your child's whims, needs, and demands. If you are a birth giver, you also have hormones working against you. It feels like this is never going to change. Welcome to the period of grieving your old life, your old self. In a moment in your life, everyone describes as a joyous blessing. The moment I understood true happiness. No one ever mentions that sometimes you've got to grieve what was lost and the various what-if paths suddenly stricken from your life's journey. When my twins were born in 2018, I was beyond overjoyed. My husband and I had tried for four years and finally got not just a baby, but two. All at once. I spent those first two weeks they were home deliriously happy. Babies that little sleep like 20 hours a day, so new parents get this false sense of security that while tired, it might not be so bad having a baby or two. I definitely fell victim to that. But as they got older and insisted on being awake more, screaming more often than not, that regret, those dreaded questions, crept into my head. Why did I want this? Why did I stress myself over pee sticks and periods for four fucking years for this? This sucks. I'm tired, and this is never going to end. It's always going to be this shitty, and I don't want it. I had to quit my job, and there was still a hole in the budget we weren't sure how to fill. Everything was ruined, and I don't know how to fix it. I was in the first stage of grief, and I didn't even know it. That overwhelming feeling of defeat and exhaustion was one part sleep deprivation and one part denial. At my first post-C-section checkup, my OB armed me with one magical phrase. Everything is different now, but you'll find your new normal soon enough. My new normal. It sounded stupid at the time, but I took that idea home. To find my new normal, though, I first had to accept that my old normal was gone forever. And to accept that, I had to let myself grieve. Gone were the days of just popping out to the shop for a treat. I couldn't just run down to anything without first loading two other humans and their associated gear. I let myself be angry about this. This was the second stage of grief. Kids complicate even the simplest actions, especially when they're little. It's frustrating. And it's okay to feel frustrated. Let yourself be angry about it. When you give yourself permission to feel that anger, it's actually pretty easy to let it go. Just be sure you're not being angry at the kids. If you feel like you are angry at them for just being kids, reach out. There might be somebody who you can talk with, who can talk you down off that ledge. Technically the third stage of grief is bargaining. But when you toss in a heaping helping of mom guilt in the mix for a mom mourning the loss of her old life and her old self, the third stage looks more like empty promises for the future. When this fucker sleeps through the night, I'll start doing yoga in the mornings again. I miss that. Once I can get them to make it through a meal with more of it in their bellies than the floor, I'll start really buckling down on the meal planning and prep again. Eating on the fly is getting old. Once they're in school, once they can read, once they can drive, we make these imaginary deadlines for ourselves based on the growth and development of our children. For me, this was the hardest stage of my mom grief to get over. And this is normally the part where the podcast host has some magical fix-all on how to jump this hurdle. Yeah, I don't. All I could do was really lean into my Obie's advice. Find your new normal. And with kids, any semblance of normal never lasts long once you wrap your head around that the constant adjustment of goals needs wants desires both yours and your children's it just gets easier at least that's how it worked for me i got better at being a mom the longer i was a mom it sounds like it's never going to end but you really do find yourself adjusting and taking things in stride the more often life is like, ha ha, bitch, try this. The fourth stage of grief is depression. And man, is this one a bitch. You take all the struggles and woes of the previous three stages, mix them all together, and poof, you end up with a salty, bitter concoction that drains you of motivation and focus. This is where the finding yourself, again, part comes in. You're a new person with a tiny human who, whether it is a parent or not, thinks you are the center of the universe. You provide food, love, warmth, comfort, and more food. They need you as much as they want you. But being all that for your spawn, you lose yourself. You used to be cool and do cool things. Now you are a bipedal cow or formula barista. You are a stuffed toter and a fry holder. Your college degree or career aspirations are laughing at you from afar. This one I do have an answer to, but you aren't going to like it. Your instinct is going to be to argue with me. Ready? The answer to handling this stage of grieving your old life is self-care. I'll wait while you prepare the standard arguments. I've heard them all. And they are all valid. You don't have a support network there isn't enough time in the day. If you waste energy on self-care, you don't have enough to just exist and keep the fucking children alive. I know, I get it, I do. But I want you to start with one tiny thing. Maybe it's as big as putting on makeup or as small as just changing your socks. One thing you feel you can incorporate into your day every single day for one week, seven days. Make it realistic and make it ritualistic. When my littles were very, very little, I made a ritual of getting dressed. Even if that looked like swapping one version of spit up stained pajamas for another slightly less spit up stained version of pajamas, I made the conscious decision to change clothes. It marked a new day, even if I hadn't technically been to sleep yet. After you've gone a week doing your thing, add one more tiny thing. Maybe it is just a sip of coffee before you go get your caterwauling demon ninja up from bed. Maybe it's putting on a spritz of body spray. Maybe it's a pretty lacy makes you feel like a sexy bitch bra under that ratty t-shirt. But do it with purpose. Do it for you and no one else. For each action you take that proves to yourself that you can care about you you hammer back that fourth stage of mom grief. You remind yourself that you are still you and your new normal begins to emerge. The fifth stage of grief is acceptance. And for me, it happened very suddenly. My twins were born in August of 2018. And most of those first months are blurry hazes, tainted with anger, depression, exhaustion, and confusion. Were it not for idyllic pictures in my camera roll, I'd have almost no positive feelings. Those were washed away and overshadowed by the grieving process for my old life. But then came April 2019. I honestly don't know what happened, but I looked up and suddenly everything felt normal. I don't know if i just finished wading through the grief muck, but I'd found that new normal, and I hadn't even noticed it. My routines were in a constant ebb and flow, but the rhythm was predictable at least. I could forecast more than the next 20 minutes of my life. My self-care had grown to include makeup for fun, outings with the kids. And the regret of what I used to be and what I'd lost had waned to just a memory of a different time. I was a new person, and I was kind of digging her. Now, will your timeline be mine? No, not likely. I can't say if my grief period for my old life was long or short, because that intimates that there is a correct period for grief. Since there isn't, eight months was just right for me. And I have to acknowledge my privilege of a solid support system, a rock of a husband, and the distinct lack of postpartum depression or anxiety dogging my every fucking step your situation is going to be different. Your grieving period is going to be different. There may be or may have been a time when you regretted having kids. Please know you aren't alone. That doesn't make you a bad mom. That makes you a human who is grieving. That's okay. You're okay. Or at least you will be. The Mama Cusses podcast is brought to you in part by Joyworks. Joyworks is a socially conscious lifestyle brand with the mission to help people choose joy and to lead a life of joy through content, products, and charitable giving. Joyworks strives to inspire compassion, human rights, education, and environmental and animal stewardship. They also seek to promote health, fitness, and mindfulness while empowering people to support each other and to be their best selves. Hashtag joy works when we build a better world together. Today we are going to be joined by the author of Nugget the Nomad, Adventures of a Yoga Dog, Janet Lawless Christ, wrote this adorable story while she was recovering from a broken back. I interviewed her for the podcast and that's what you're about to get. Enjoy! Today I am joined by Janet Lawless Christ. She is the author of Nugget the Nomad Adventures of a Yoga Dog from Joyworks Publishing. Uh this story is absolutely adorable. It's it, it's a children's story but it's lightly based on real events. Uh, Janet, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me
1: to be on the podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for agreeing to come on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I say it's lightly based on a true story, it's based on your true story, not your dog's, right? It's
1: based on our true story. I mean, it's legit. So the the, uh, Nugget is actually a nickname, one of the many nicknames for one of my dogs whose name is Diego. And What happened is I had three rescue dogs. I now have two because one actually got rehomed with a Navy SEAL, which Uh will be coming book because he was such a good Navy SEAL kind of dog, Malinois. Anyway, uh, a couple Christmases ago, Jeepers, I guess it's maybe three now, uh, I was downstairs early one morning with the three dogs. They were fine. Everything was just lovely. And all of a sudden, um, the biggest rescue dog got in a, a, a fight. With, with Diego, who we call right. Nugget Book. And foolish person that I am, you know, I had socks on because it was cold here in Christmas, California. And-, <laughs> <laughs> and um, All the
0: northerners are like, uh-huh, talk more.
1: Yeah, what? So how cold was it, right? Um, so so uh, I had socks on and I was trying to pull one of the dogs away and mm-hmm. I flipped and flipped over kind of like a dead bug and came slamming down on a stone floor and broke yeah. my back in two places. So, um, that was a start of a morning and, and, and now, interestingly enough, my husband who, who is hilarious in real life, as I was in the emergency room and they said, she's broken her back in two places. It it happened on December 29th. He looked at me and he said, so does that mean we don't go to the new year's Eve party? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) wow, let's put our priorities in in order here. Um,
0: My husband would have been like, so we can schedule the surgery for tomorrow so we uh, keep our deductible this year, right?
1: (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. That opened up a whole can of worms.
0: (laughs) Yay, American insurance system.
1: Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I was on serious opioids because I wasn't understanding what what it was. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so I did break my back. They did say that there was a high probability I'll never walk again. And in doing so, I was in the hospital and in a rehab hospital for a long period of time, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And little Diego Nugget um, really did have to go to other people's houses because it was too too much for everyone else to handle without me being able to wrangle the dogs. And now right. no, there had been a, you know, a kerfuffle had broken out and it was scary. Mm-hmm. So um, when I recovered, and yes, I did learn to walk again and I do... I'm back at yoga and running and jumping rope and doing everything. But that was, you know, to kind of defy those doctors who told me they knew better about my body. Um,
0: The number of recovery stories that started with, and the doctor said, and I was bitch bet.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, no, see, that's not even, that's not even reality. That's not possible. (laughs) And my daughter, my daughter is a doctor and my father was a doctor when he was alive. Um, And they both are like, just question what they are telling you. Don't just take it. And that's, there's a life lesson right there. Don't, don't listen to them when they say you might not walk again. Say, right. Like I'm going to be in a wheelchair, right? No. Mm -mm." Yeah. So (laughs) long story short, when I had recovered, it was still hard for me because my husband, uh, we had a second home. My husband was traveling for his business at, at our other place up north. And my kids were traveling and my kids who lived with me, my adult kids, Um, because they always seem to come home, but that's another podcast.
0: (laughs) I haven't gotten rid of my first one, so I can't speak to that one yet.
1: They're all boomerangs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I boomeranged shut up. Change the topic, Janet.
1: (laughs) Um, so anyhow, everybody was traveling. I was here alone with the, with the dogs and I did have all three home. And one of my friends came over and she said, Oh, by the way, I'm going to take nugget for the weekend. And I said, oh, no, he's fine. I can I can do this. I, can, I was still in a wheelchair. I can do this. And she said, you know, Nugget's a nomad. He's going to make everybody happy. And I thought, oh, there's something I can do this weekend while sitting alone. So literally, I wrote the bulk of the story that afternoon and evening. Um, <laughs> there was champagne and wine involved, I will tell you, because, <laughs> because nobody else was home and I was able to do that. Um, and I had stopped the opioids, by the way. Another... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would have made a lot more interest. That would have been a different
1: story entirely. I'm telling you, I, it would be really hard to do on podcasts and interviews while I'm jacked up on opioids. But <laughs> uh, so, so, that was that was legit. I mean, that really all of the elements of the story that Nugget used to love to go to yoga with me, and and he did, and he and he was the the darling of the classes. Um, in fact. He had been before I rescued him he had been um, uh, bec- he had been certified as a legitimate service dog for people with high anxiety and mm-hmm. and the interesting thing is when I would take him to yoga classes or really to any place, he would always want to go sit right with the person who was the most stressed out in the room nice and a lot of times these people were acting like they were you know Joe wonderful and uh, have no mm-hmm. problems. And I would say, you know, I'm sorry if my dog's bothering you. And they're like, no, he's not bothering me. But, and I said, you know, he does tend to go toward the most stressed out person in the room. And I've seen grown men start crying like, oh, I really am stressed out. I didn't <laughs> know. this really helped me. And I'm like. You can't <laughs> lie to dogs, man. They know. You cannot I, lie to dogs. No, you don't. You can't. In fact, did you even hear that um, Helsinki has has discovered that dogs can smell COVID on sweat before? Really? Yeah, Before- I, had,
0: I had I had not heard that bit. Yeah. I heard of a fourteen-year-old who discovered an identifier molecule, but
1: wow, wow. I hadn't heard that bit. So see? yeah, <laughs> now we're smarter for talking. Um, so there you go. <laughs> so that's that's really that's really how the book started, and I really wrote it only for my family, kind of mm-hmm. you know lark, and um. Then my husband said, this is really cute. This is a really good story. And it's legit. Um, so then I found Ryan to just illustrate it for what I thought was just from a fam. When she and,
0: says Ryan, she means the illustrator of Nugget Nomad, Ryan Hernandez.
1: And Ryan Hernandez is an illustrator unlike anyone I've ever worked with. I've been in the marketing and public relations industry for my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked with a lot of artists and artistes and um you know, when I was speaking with Ryan on the phone, it was way before Zoom land, so we were just right. doing a conference call, and he said, "Well, open up your computer just from talking to you." I think I've sketched out like what I'm thinking Nugget should look like, and I opened it up, and Gwenna, it was so spot on. He had not seen a picture of the dog, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Bingo, we've got this." So I was just, I was just having it done for my family. You know, I, I didn't know whether I was going to go to you know one of the small publishing companies, you know, just to right
0: one of the vanity publishers. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, and then more and more people would say, well, can I have 10 books? Can I have 15 books? And, um, a a big, um, athlete here in town said, can I have 200? Because I have 200 kids from my teammates that I give presents to. So can I order 200? I'm like 200 of this. What? (laughs) Um, and so anyway, our first run ended up being a 25,000 run and we're at right which um, was delivered to us in September and we're on our second run already. We've translated to Spanish um, and, and we have a lot of um, school systems, libraries, um, Mm -hmm. children's aid foundations who are looking at this as something they can bequeath to the kiddos. And it's a life lesson and it's an easy life lesson. And it's, it's about, you know, the, the genesis of this book and, and well, Actually the, the overarching theme of, of all of the books that will be coming out because we have 18 in development now right um, is bad and sad and scary things happen in life they just do so let's talk about them let's put words to them adults grown-ups and kiddos mm-hmm. so that people aren't blindsided and saying how did like how did this happen? you know how do I break my back It'd be because people break their back right people right. get divorced. People die, people get sick. I mean, all sorts of things happen, and we tend to not talk about them. Grown up to grown up, we don't talk about them.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, just right? kids? Is this just kids, or and, grown ups read this book too?
1: Right. Well, so I think grown ups should read this book, and they should read it to the kiddos because the point is it all it gets back to joy, no matter how bad things are, no matter how bad and sad and scary, because those things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's just. Hold on to some little element or nugget of joy. Just hang on and ride it out. And I'm not going to tell you you're going to live happily ever after. I love the Disney franchise. Love it. But the princess doesn't always meet the prince and they live happily ever after. Because you don't.
0: Right. right. tomorrow
1: something's going to go wrong. Somebody's going to lose a job. So just know that you can get through. And that's that's really what it is. Through the eyes of these critters watching Human Dilemma how if you just have as your rock, that joy works, it's really that easy. It's not easy to live through, but it's a concept that you can just like really hold on.
0: Tell me about joy works itself. Now, joy works, you started it a portion of the proceeds of the sale of Nugget the Nomad is going to Thrive Animal Rescue.
1: That's correct. That's correct. So a portion of the proceeds of all of our work through Joy Works will go to different charities. Right. Depending on the theme. And we have we have a second book um, that we'll be publishing in a couple of weeks. Well that will come out of press in a couple of weeks called Busy the Bee. And mm-hmm. she she will be, and that's another true story, um, the proceeds from that will go to guitars in the classroom, which is a wonderful charity, um, which gives guitars or ukuleles to underserved kids so that they can they can actually learn something called art and music. <laughs> uh, apparently, that's not important in life to a lot of a lot of uh, politicos. <laughs> yeah. No, it's still important.
0: It's just underfunded.
1: Underfunded. Well, they don't think it's important. They do. anyway. <laughs> that's for another day, Gwenna. Um But so we so we do have we have uh, an upcoming book called Birth of the Earthworm, and the proceeds from that will go to the Homeless Garden Project. And it's it's really about the fact that yes, I started Joy Works, and I started it to be what we call a socially conscious lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but really, it wasn't like. Oh, what's our next money-making endeavor? Let's right. let's do that because that sounds pretty shallow to me at this point. Oh, right. in life. Um, but to be able to do something that really benefits people in a ta- people and critters in a tangible way, without just writing a check. I, I mean, it's right. fun to be able to write a check. Now, don't get me wrong. And everybody who has money, please give to all of these uh, yes. wonderful.
0: Preserving sources. We are going to be giving away a copy of Nugget the Nomad in time for the holiday season. So Joyworks has provided me with a promotional copy and they provided me with a second copy that I'm going to be giving away over on Instagram. That's cool. So from this podcast, head over to Instagram, like, follow, comment and share the post to be entered to win. If you mention that you heard Janet and I chat on the Mama Cusses podcast, you'll be entered twice, so you'll double your chances of winning. Nice. Winners will be announced on Tuesday, November twenty fourth, on the Mama Cusses Instagram.
1: Very cool. Very so, cool. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. No. Thank. Thank you for the free books. That oh. uh, uh, one of the things I always tell uh, moms when it comes on the holidays is to spare yourself the exceeding expectation issue is uh you get your kid four gifts from mom dad guardians how however you refer to yourselves in your children's lives um it's uh something you want something you need something to wear and something to read so this is a perfect something to read I have had a wonderful time speaking with you. I'll have more information on mamacusses.com about Janice Lawless, Janet Lawless Christ, uh, Nugget the Nomad, and Joyworks. So go visit mamacusses.com. For more information, again, visit our Instagram to, for a chance to win your own copy. And that's it for us. Stay fierce, bitches. <laughs> Thanks, Glenna. Thanks. All right, that's it for us. As always, we want to thank our sponsors for their continued support of the Mama Cusses podcast. A huge shout out to the Fox sisters for the use of their song Stuck on You. We also need to make a special shout out to Scott Holmes for the use of his song Green Fields as the bridge music. I find almost all of my music on freemusicarchives.org if you're interested in finding your own tracks for your own projects. Today's small business shout-out goes to nerdymamas.com. Nerdy Mamas is a fandom-themed clothing and cloth diapering brand. Using unique, nerdy, and geeky fan art, they create designs for adult and children's clothing, as well as an exclusive line of cloth diapers and reusable baby products. Head to nerdymamas.com to see for yourself. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure you leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. That helps the podcast grow. If you've got an idea for an episode or would like to be featured as a guest, please email me at mamacusses at gmail.com. All right, I promise now that's really all I've got. I'm going to get out of here. Love you. Bye.
1: Crazy with the way she's treating me. She's a bit cheater, a down, dirty cheater, and that's not how it ought to be.